Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Good morning. Oh, yes, junior hires in the back. I love it. Wake these adults up. I love it. I love it. Hey, it's so great to be with you this morning. I just, worship team, thank you for leading us in the presence of God this morning. I don't know how I'm supposed to preach after that, but I'm going to do my best. But um, who's excited to hear from, from Jesus this morning? You excited? Not from me, from the Lord. Um, can I just say this, completely unrelated, unplanned to the message? Last week, I asked you guys to go on a journey with me into some community discussion three or four times. And I know at first you guys were like, oh no, <laughs> I don't like this. And maybe the first couple of times we did it, there wasn't much talking. But can I say the third and the fourth and the fifth time we did, when I got to stand here and watch you be community, watch you process God's word together, watch you unpack the truth about God together, can I tell you that was one of the most amazing times that I've ever been at and had at church. So thank you. And here's my challenge to you this morning. Let's do it again. Okay, let's do it again. Richard, uh-huh, we're going to do it again, all right? Someone, someone go find Richard to talk with this morning. So um, as we're doing that, and I got to chat with a lot of you this week, thank you. I love to get feedback from you guys on our messages and just where we're going and hear your testimonies. As we talked about last week, that your testimonies are one of the greatest weapons we can use against the schemes of the devil. But I got to hear some testimonies. And in fact, I, I want to share with you, uh, we had a team night last week, which was wonderful. It's the dream team night where we pour into our volunteers and um, one of my most um, prized activities that I get to do is to pray over people. It's actually, for me, the greatest thing about being a follower of Jesus outside of being loved by God is to pray over people. And, and sometimes I don't feel like I have a word for people. And Tim asked us last week to come and pray over people, and I got to go pray over Cheeto. And I'm going to embarrass Cheeto a little bit, Okay. But I got, I, the Lord just put something on my heart for Cheeto, and I, it really relates to this journey of getting to what Tim mentioned earlier, is getting to this place where we can truly say, truly believe in, believe that, orient our life around, fix our minds on the statement that the Lord is our shepherd, we have everything that we need. And so I was praying over Cheeto, and, and, and you know, Cheeto, how old are you? You had to count? You take your, you take your socks off, too, to count? Twelve. You didn't see him, 12. He's 12 years old. He had a terrible misdiagnosis and had a, just a crazy knee surgery. And um, I relate to that, for those of you that don't know, because it doesn't look like it right now. But I just had an Achilles surgery nine weeks ago, all right? And it, it's just scary. It's hard. And as I was praying for Cheeto and, and I was praying for recovery and just, he has a knee brace, Okay, and if you ever want to go check back and check it out, you can check out his knee brace. But when you, when you have such a knee injury, there's, there's these little dials on his knee brace. And each time he makes a progression, each time he goes through physical therapy, he gets to click that knee brace one more click. There's about 10 or 12 settings on that knee brace. And that takes three, four, five months. And he gets to keep clicking and clicking and clicking. And you guys won't see it. You'll just see Cheeto on crutches. You don't get to see the clicks on the knee brace. But all of a sudden, if you didn't see him for a few months, his knee would go from here to be able to go here. And it's this micro progression of life, right? 
And as Tim was talking about this, this journey that we're going on in Psalm 23, it's not a snap your fingers and I believe in and believe that and fix my mind on God all the time. It's a micro progression of life. It takes small intentional acts. Cheeto will need to eat right. He'll need to sleep right. He'll need to go to physical therapy, listen to his doctors, listen to his mom and dad. All right? He'll need to do all those things so that he can click that dial every single week or two weeks. Do you understand that? Can I tell you, I'm in the same boat, Cheeto. I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged by my testimony. I did not wash these. These do smell. Don't, don't get too close, okay? You guys don't know this. You saw me in my boot for seven or eight weeks, okay? You saw me. You noticed. Every single one of you noticed. You came up to me when I took that boot off, and you said, hey, no boot. Exciting. Wow. But what you haven't noticed over the last three weeks is that every week I get to take out a little bit of my heel insert. Every week I go to physical therapy and I eat right and I sleep right. Well, I don't sleep so much, I have little kids. But I eat right and I go to physical therapy. And each week they test me and go, okay, you can peel about, I don't know, how big is that? Centimeter? Out. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning, if you, if you heard last week's message, even if you hear it today and you're like, man, that's just a lot to do, Zach. I don't know if I can get there. Can I tell you, just take those intentional steps and then let God do the supernatural, okay? You take the small intentional steps to, to, to do your spiritual therapy and then let God do the supernatural. Let's do that this morning, huh? Open up to Psalm 23. We're going to read this over us. My hope is that you'll have this memorized by the time we're done with this series one of the greatest scriptures you can have memorized, Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. I have everything that I need. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Who wants a cup that overflows this morning? Surely goodness, other translation is only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. God, that is our declaration this morning. That is our cry and our plea this morning, God, that we would come to a place where we totally believe, totally trust, fix our minds on, think about all day long because it's so good and it's everything we need, Lord, that you are our shepherd, Lord, that we don't need anything else but you, God, that we want to just be in community and relationship with you. And so, Lord, cement that in our hearts this morning as we open up your word, as we dialogue with one another, you are our shepherd. We already have everything we need. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 So last week, we talked about taking intentional steps to fix our mind on God. We talked about how important fixing our mind on God was, that it literally affects every single thing about us. What we think about changes the trajectory of our day, of our week, of our year, of our life, all right? 
Now, I know only 2% of sermons are ever remembered. Mine is probably not in the 2%, so I just wanted to give you that brief recap. All right? This week, we're going to talk about the God that we're fixing our mind on, the character of that God, what he is like. We're also going to talk about what he's not like, because I think there's some really strong misconceptions about what our God is like, okay? So, this morning, you ready for some community? Come on, Carter. All right? I I want you to think about this. If someone who had no concept of God walked up to you and said, what is your God like? What is your God like? What would you tell them? I think this is important about us because as the, the deeper you start to understand something, the greater understanding you have, some the easier it is to communicate about that thing, right? When you have a mastery of a topic, we had Dr. Tim Eshegan explain uh, genetics a few months ago. He has a mastery of a topic. It's easy for him to communicate, right? What would you tell someone who has no idea about God? What is he like? So I want you to turn to your neighbor. If you don't have a neighbor, you go to find one. If you see someone that doesn't have a neighbor, go make them uncomfortable and talk to them, okay? But you're going to have 90 seconds. I just want you to tell the other person what your God is like. Ready? Go. All right. All right. Again, so fun to watch you guys converse. I think that's important for us as Christians to be able to communicate. What is our God like? And, and hopefully you had some wonderful dialogue and you learn some things from your neighbor, but I want, I want to share with you what I, what I have, you know, prayed over and sought the Lord over this week, and what I want us to get out of it, what us, what I want myself to get out of today, and this is the goal of the message. The goal is to understand, believe in, and fix our minds on who God is, what he's done, and what he deserves, and also who we are, what we've done, and what we deserve. I believe this is key to the Christian journey. I'm gonna say it again. Who God is, what God's done, and what he deserves. Who we are, what we've done, and what we really deserve. Okay, that's the journey we're gonna go on today. And first, as, as we unpack this journey, we go on this journey, I want to talk about some of the misconceptions about God. Remember last week we talked about how there's, there's this, this devil who wants to tear us down, who wants to plant seeds of doubt and distrust, who wants to uh, give us wrong uh, conceptions about our God. He's really good at it. Very good, Lynn. Very good. And I'm just going to share this morning some of the things that I struggled with and I still struggle with. I still can go to these places if I'm not vigilant, I'm not fixing my mind on. The first is this. This is what I think a lot about my relationship with God is that He's just an apathetic God. It's a big word. What does that mean? I had to look it up to share it with you. Uh, He's just an apathetic God. He has no interest in me. He's created this world. He's detached. I'm insignificant. I'm one of 8 billion people. Why would he ever care to to care what's going on in my family, what's going on in my life? He doesn't have time for that. Anyone else out there ever think that? How about this one? This one I get a lot. He's all rules and no fun. Mm. He's, he's literally the God who's just waiting for us to mess up. You ever had that teacher in school? You know? Love teachers, by the way. I was a teacher. But there are some teachers who are just waiting for you. You feel like you're just waiting for you to mess up. Sometimes we feel that way about God. 
He's the God who just gives us this Ferrari or pick your favorite car. I don't know cars, but pick your favorite car. And it goes 175 miles an hour, zero to 60 in two seconds, whatever. And he's given you this car and then he sticks you on a road where there's 100 cops and the speed limit's 20. Right? That's how we view God. Wait, I could do all of these things? God, I'm missing out on all. I, I just remember thinking as a young man, I'm, I can't do that. What are you talking about? They're doing that. And if we're honest with ourselves, adults, we still think that way. He's just, he's created all these rules and we can't have any fun. Or how about this one? He has the same limitations that we do as humans. Now think about that one. A lot of us interpret, or at least I do, my view of God by how I have a relationship with my children. Or if you're not a parent, you view a relationship with, with your dad or your mom. And, and we sometimes think that God, because of our father, which is a beautiful analogy that we're not going to unpack today, but that he has the same limitations that we have as parents or that your parents have, our parents have. What are, what are some of those limitations? They're just busy. He's got a job. He's got 8 billion people to watch over. He's got to hold gravity together, the world together, the universe together, the stars so they don't fall on us, right? I mean, there's this thing called climate change. I don't even know. I'm I'm not getting political. All right, but there's just all these things. He's busy. He's way too busy for me. That's that's a lie. How about this one? He He can't give out too much blessing to me or to Ashley or to Jeremy or to Rachel because you know what? He might run out. He might run out of resources. You know, when my kids come to me, and and I talked about it last week, but when my son wants to have uh, the $28 gallon of milk from the co-op, and and he drinks two ounces of the four ounces, I'm like, you don't get any more. We're going to run out. I can't afford to keep buying $28 a gallon milk, okay? Can I tell you this? Your God does not run out. He does not run out of blessing. He does not run out of time for you. He, he, He is omni omnipotent, all-powerful, he's omnipresent, he's, he's everywhere. How about this one? He won't forgive you because you've messed up so many times that he's just done forgiving you. Can I tell you, as a parent, it's hard to watch my son make the same mistake over and over and over and over again, and then to come to a place in my heart, and there's times where I just get so frustrated with him, and sometimes I think that's how God feels about me, and he runs out of forgiveness. You ever been there with a family member or a friend where you're just like, you know what, I'm done? He's not done with you. He's just really not. He's never done with you. And so I, I just, I want to bring those misconceptions before us and, and before we go in and look at scripture and see what the real character of God is, because I think it's important to go to war against those misconceptions, okay? And, and full disclaimer, um, I can't cover in 20 minutes the character of God. So we're just going to pick a few things this morning, okay? But I want you to know we're not, this is not an all-encompassing review of the character of God, but I do believe these are the things that God's speaking to me to share with you, some of the things that were in uh, the second chapter of our book that we're going through. And, but before we do that, I want to center our hearts on this thought. The single most important thing to remember about our God it is, is his complete and total unlikeness in his being from anything that we can see, imagine, or fully comprehend. I want to read that again. The single most important thing that you and I can remember about our God is his total unlikeness in his being from anything that we can see, imagine, or fully comprehend. We are finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. 
And we have beautiful pictures of, of marriage, us being, uh, you know, him being our bridegroom, us being his bride. We have beautiful pictures of him being our father, a uh, parental figure in our life. We have these wonderful pictures of that, and we can grasp quite a bit. But can I tell you, that is just this much about who he really is. And you have to center your heart on that this morning as we open up scripture. So turn with me to Job chapter 38. We're, gonna, we're not starting in Genesis, which is tragic, but we're going to go to Job, all right? I know, but see, some argue, Lynn, that Genesis was written after Job, so again, I won't get into that. But Job chapter 38, verse 4, and this is what Dallas Willard wrote, and I want to read it over us before we read the scripture. He said, God is an invisible being who has great power and dominion over everything. Listen to what Job says in the presence of God. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know as much as I do. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this far and no farther you will come. Can you imagine when he said that? Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? I haven't. Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? He goes on for another chapter and a half, friends. A chapter and a half about the grand power, might, majesty, just incredible greatness of God. We could spend a year on the greatness of God. But I just want you to let that scripture rest on you that he has great power and dominion over everything. Everything. Everything you could possibly imagine, every fear you could possibly have, every doubt you could possibly have, any situation you could possibly face, he has power and dominion over everything. There's nothing too small or too big for our God. Second thing about the character of God this morning. God is personal. He has a personality. He thinks, he wills, he feels, and he values. We sang it, Haley, beautiful. Just, I love it because she was asking me every week, help me choose songs. And I go, no, you're going to choose them because God's going to speak to you. And she, he did it again, Haley. And we sang this morning that it was something to the effect that I'm not very musically gifted and I won't sing it, but the gut, you're welcome. The, the God of the universe who created everything, and so we are in his heart. It was something like that. So we are in his heart. So he, we are on the forefront of his brain. He's thinking, about the, he's thinking about us. He wants relationship with us. And I, can I tell you this morning that the same God who laid the foundations of the earth deeply desires for you to know him and for him to know you. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I got nothing else for you this morning. That same God who commanded the waves to stop, who holds your feet on this earth, not only isn't too busy for you, he's not only uh, not put off by all your sin and your shame and your guilt, but he wants to know you and for you to know him. He's personally invested in everything you do. Amen. Revelation 3.20 says, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. 
If anyone would hear his voice and open the door to their heart, he will come into him and eat with him and be with him. John 1.14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Not only does he want to have a relationship with you, but he sent his only Son to be like us so that he could know us fully to understand our fears, our doubts, our, our, the things that we face. He wants you to know him and for him to know you. So, so important. Third thing, and this is a big one, There is absolutely nothing that God lacks. Let me say it again. There is absolutely nothing that God lacks. We must understand this because the overflowing uh, sufficiency that we will experience when Yahweh is our shepherd lies in this one fact, that the shepherd himself is all sufficient. He lacks nothing. He doesn't run out of resources. He doesn't run out of time. He doesn't run out of blessing. He doesn't run out of healing. He doesn't run out of money. He lacks nothing. Psalm 50. The psalmist paints a beautiful picture of this. In Psalm 50, verse 10, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says, For every beast of the forest is mine. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Can I tell you that your God lacks nothing? He doesn't need your love. He wants it. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He doesn't need you to serve on the dream team. He wants it for you. Can I tell you that? He doesn't need you to be in community with others. He wants it for you. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need our affection. He wants it. He is fully sufficient in himself. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, he was fully sufficient. After they were laid, he's still fully sufficient. Before the fall in the garden, he was fully sufficient. After, he is fully sufficient. We have to grasp that. We have to grasp that. Fourth thing. Sometimes we may be tempted to think that God is as stingy and small as we are. Dallas Willard says he is not. God loves to give. God loves to forgive. God loves to just gush forth with his goodness. What we need, God has an infinite supply. He ain't like us. He ain't like us. Isaiah 30 says this, verse 18. Again, small snapshot of the character of God in 20 minutes. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious. The, Greek, or the Hebrew there is he eagerly waits to be gracious to you and I. And therefore, exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, and blessed are those who eagerly wait for him. John three sixteen. we all know it. For God so the world. Not because he had to. Not because he was obligated to, but for God so loved the world in all his generosity and goodness that he sent his only son to die for us. John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, 
But my purpose, Jesus says, Jesus' purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. He is the good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Can I tell you, Christian, today, a follower of Jesus, that he wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. He has not given you a Ferrari and said, go 20 miles an hour. He has given you a Ferrari and said, go 250 miles an hour. He wants to give you a rich and satisfying life, but also that rich and satisfying life might not be what you think is a rich and satisfying life. He wants to lavish blessing on you. But these thoughts, these ideas and truths about God, they can easily become swayed. They can easily be forgotten. They can easily be in the back of our mind and not the forefront of our mind. And I'll tell you the two ways that that the devil does this in my life. First is worry, and the second is fear. Anyone else? Worry and fear. Dallas Willard says at the center of so many of our difficulties is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of not being able to take care of ourselves or our loved ones. The phrase is, I'm afraid and I don't have enough are real and debilitating. Think about it. The source of most of our issues and most of our problems, most of our struggles is, I'm afraid or I don't have enough. Those are in direct opposition to the phrase that we are repeating over and over and over again. The Lord is my, I have everything that I, I'm afraid and I don't have enough. Think about the sheep. Shepherd takes care of sheep. You know what the beautiful thing about being a sheep is that when you've been in the care of a shepherd, you are not afraid. You don't care about the wolves. You don't care about the weather. You don't care about everything, anything, because the shepherd has taken care of you in such a way with all his sufficiency, his grace, and his love that you're not afraid. A pack of wolves could come right up next to you and you're not afraid. How about I don't have enough? The sheep doesn't worry about where he's going to find food. He doesn't worry about where he's going to find water. He knows that the shepherd every day, somehow, some way, whether it's this stream or that stream or this pasture or that pasture, is going to take him and lead him into a place where he gets the things that he needs. Can I tell you this morning that I want to be a little bit more like a sheep in the care of a shepherd? An all-sufficient shepherd who has everything that I need. But it doesn't come naturally. We talked about it last week. It takes intentional steps to reorient our mind. Because the first thing that happens when we encounter a challenging situation in life is what do we do? Oh no, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to help um, this person walking through a health situation? How am I going to help this person facing an anxious situation? How am I going to get myself out of depression and loneliness and fear? That's not the sheep's mentality. He just looks up and goes, bah. 
And the shepherd comes and leads him beside still waters, leads him in paths of righteousness, leads him into green pastures, anoints his head with oil, overflows his cup, pursues him with mercy and goodness, and puts him in his house forever. That's what the shepherd does. So, we've got to think about the reasons that we don't automatically go to that place of Jesus be my shepherd. Whatever situation I'm walking through, Jesus be my shepherd. And again, I'm fully convinced it's fear and it's worry. So, I want to process this a little bit. So turn to your neighbor and I just I want you to tell your neighbor either something you're afraid of or something you're worried about. Okay? 90 seconds. Go. Now, just unbiased observer, can I tell you something? Maybe it's just because you're getting ready for lunch and you're ready to be done listening to a guy talk. But there was more discussion about what you fear and you're worried about than who, what God is like. I'm just being real. There was more discussion about, from, from this perspective, what you fear and what you're worried about. It was easier for you to communicate than when you communicated about what God is like. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not better than you on that. I feel I'd be the same exact way. But we've got to change that, right? We've got to change that. Can I tell you, whatever you just told the person next to you, your fear or your worry, you can live without that. Wait, I want, I want you to hear that this morning. Your fear and your worry that you just communicated, you can live this life every day without it. Do you believe that? Every day you can walk through this life without fear and without worry. You don't, there's not a situation that could ever come up that would make you worry or fear. How? 1 John 4, 8 says this. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear, expels. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. The fear that you just talked about, the worry that you just talked about, the fear that you think about all day long, that I think about all day long, the worry that I have, that I don't have enough, that I need to be afraid that something bad's gonna happen to me, all those things which are very real feelings. I'm not downplaying the, the power of fear, the power of circumstance, the power of our challenges. I'm not downplaying them. They are big and they are mighty, but can I tell you your God is bigger and more mighty? They're real. Pain is real. Suffering is real. But your God is more real. <laughs> and he's bigger. And he's more mighty. And I share that with you. Having walked through some of that and walking through some of that as I stand here before you. This last, I don't know, pick, pick a timeline. We'll go a year and a half. <laughs> There's been some challenges in my life. Everyone's got stuff, I always say. Everybody's got stuff. And we will always have stuff. Jesus promised in this world, you will have trouble. He promised it. Very clear. Very clear. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We lost um, Mackenzie's grandma about a year and a half ago in the fall, 
We lost my dad on Christmas Day a year ago. We've walked through some challenging relational dynamics that have left us heartbroken. We lost our best friend's baby, full-term, 40-week stillborn birth. Many of you know this. Um, We walked through a miscarriage, lost our own baby. We went through a roller coaster of financial challenges that left us fearful and worried, wondering if we're ever going to be able to get out of them. We walked through sleep deprivation, just health challenges with our daughter. And I don't share that to be like, whoa, look at my life. I share that because it's so easy for me just to think, when's the next bad thing going to happen? It's easy for us, right? Well, this didn't go well, and this didn't go well, and this didn't go well, and when's the next bad thing going to happen? Has God run out of blessing? Has he forgotten about me? Is he really good? How about that one? Is he really who he says he he is and was? And is to come. And I share that with you because much like these little inserts, every day I have to go to war. I have to be intentional. I have to fix my mind on. I have to understand the true character of. I have to read scripture over my life. I have to have men of God in my life that are discipling me. I have to be at small group on Monday night to have scripture studied together. I got to be here so people can pray over me and I can pray over people. Because I have to be so intentional in this war to destroy every thought that the devil could put in my mind about the nature of God and who he is. And I have to replace those thoughts with the true nature of God and who he is. And that is not something that I can do alone. And I need you to take it seriously because you are my faith community and I need your help. And you need me to take it seriously because I'm your faith community and you need my help. As Tim said, we don't do this life alone. There will be seasons when you are up here in your faith and you are riding high on, on the goodness of God and there will be seasons where you're down here. Sometimes the seasons down here might last a little longer. And sometimes you need someone to come and go, here, here's my faith. Here, here's my trust. I'll stand in the gap for you. I'll go to war for you. It's funny, Mackenzie, we were talking. She's like, are you ready for your message? And I go, yeah, of course. And she's like, well, you didn't used to be. You used to practice it 20 times. And my wife would always... um, be so invested, but after the 18th or 19th time, she'd, she generally would snooze off. So that's why I really don't care if you're paying attention or not, because I'm, I'm conditioned not to care. <laughs> but again, 18 or 19 times, I would, I would be bored too. But she asked me, she goes, are you ready? And, and I didn't really have an answer. She goes, why do you think that is? Which was a great question. And I didn't really think about it until this morning, until I had stood in the center here before we have... Before, we have like a worship practice, we have a worship team meeting, and then we have prayer time and our briefing for all our volunteers. And every morning, 
I get about 30, 40 people that I preach. Every morning I preach, I get 30 or 40 people to pray over me. And I always, I couldn't answer my wife's question until this morning. Do you know why I, I don't worry about this? you know why I love your feedback and I love if you like the message, but it really doesn't pick me up or get me down? You know why? Because people are going to war for me right here. I know Tim's fasting and praying for me. I know people are praying for me all week long. We pray over it in, in our staff meetings, over, over the message and the worship team. And, and why I don't feel stress and worry and fear when I speak? Because people are going to war for me. And this morning, I don't know what you are personally walking through. I don't know the challenge that you face. I don't know the obstacle in your way. I don't know if it's a small thing or a big thing. There's no small things and big things, by the way. They're all just things. I don't know if it's, it's a thing with your mindset. I don't know if it's a thing with your finances or your health or your family or relationships. I don't know what it is. But the only way I know how to combat it is with Scripture, with prayer, and with community. And the greatest gift I can give you this morning is to tell you that all those things that I mentioned, and there's more, by the way, and I could go into detail on them. We don't need to. But this year and a half, I've been on my knees for my faith, my wife's faith, my kids, my unborn baby, more than I ever have. And every time I start to question the goodness of my God, The only thing that gets me out of that place is when I look at the cross. When I remember, as I look at my son, that the God of this universe sent his one and only son to die for me. He put his money where his mouth was and he said, I love you so much that I'm going to send my only son to die for you. If you ever question your faith, if you ever question my goodness, if you ever question my love for you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Zach. I'm not going to explain all these circumstances to you, Zach. I can't. You wouldn't understand it if I did. But just remember that I loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. I'm good. And I want to give you that gift this morning. I want us to get that gift this morning. When we have doubts, when we have fears, when we have anxiety, when we, have to, we face challenges that we think are just impossible, the only thing we can truly do to overcome those things starts and ends by looking at the cross and remembering the God who didn't wait for us to come to him but sent his only son for us. So as the worship team comes back up, we're going we're gonna to do something this morning. We're just, we're just going to set our hearts in that place. For, uh, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, doubts about the character of God, misconceptions about God, challenges, big and small. We're just going to nail those things to the cross. We're going to remind ourselves that every fear, every worry is cast out by perfect love. And so as the worship band begins to play and we're going to come up here and gather the elements and I ask that you just um, 
spend some time as they play. It's a beautiful song they're going to play. Just reminding yourself, centering in your heart, that the God of the universe sent his only son to die for you. If you don't feel blessed, if you don't feel that there's an all-sufficient shepherd, if you don't feel like you can overcome worry, if you don't feel like you can overcome depression, if you don't feel like you can put your trust in God, if you don't feel like he is good, that's okay. I'm hoping today as you hold the bread and you hold that cup and you think about the cross, that maybe there's just a little glimmer of hope for you. A little a little bit more faith, a little bit more joy. So after I pray for us, when you feel comfortable, just make your way up, gather the elements, and then we'll partake together after. Father, we need your help. We doubt, we worry, we fear, we question your character, we question your goodness. Lord, we're such fickle human beings. But today, God, I just pray that as we think about the gift of your son Jesus on the cross for our sin, that those fears and those worries would be cast out in the name of Jesus. That you'd cement in our hearts as we hold this bread and we hold this cup, that you love us. You're our shepherd. That only goodness and mercy will follow us because it's impossible for it not to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.